0: Helicopters have been procured for me to go to golf Thank you. I'm saying he wasn't a great politician. I'm just saying he's a it's, an <laughs> How'd you play out there today? Uh,
1: well, I found the conditions
0: challenging, mostly because there's no grass on the golf course. But never has been. I'm thinking about the back end, and I back. When you got three crevices on the green.
1: Yo, course is
0: What's going on, folks? Welcome back, Beltway Golfer, episode 28. Alex Dixon here. For this podcast, we headed to Sperryville, Virginia, as it's all about Schoolhouse Nine, the creation of proprietor Cliff Miller and golf course architect Mike McCartan. If you're not familiar, it's a minimalist nine hole public golf course that if you're heading from the D.C. Beltway region is right on the left side of the main road heading into Sperryville on your way to the entrance to Shenandoah National Park um, and it is an incredibly easy walk. It's nine par threes, extremely family friendly. Uh, it's attached to an old schoolhouse, hence the name uh, that has been converted into an old kind of old-fashioned arcade of sorts where where Cliff and I actually sat down and and recorded the podcast, Um, and a really cool pub, the Headmaster's Pub, which is also where you pay your greens fees to play the golf course. So if you haven't been, um, certainly after listening to this, but couldn't encourage uh, anyone to go check it out if you haven't already. For the podcast, it was twofold. We first um, sat down with Cliff Miller. Um, However, I met up with him on the way down to, to, to a Pinehurst trip. This was on the way down. If you listened to last week's episode um, in Richmond at Belmont Golf Course, that was on the way back from Pinehurst. This was on the way down. So the, the portion with Cliff is is about 20 minutes long and then um, met up with, with Mike McCartan, um, who Cliff hired to build the course and design the course to get uh, you know his thoughts on schoolhouse nine on the project on the course his memories of, of first meeting cliff um, and and going through the the design process to to bring schoolhouse nine to life um, i'm a huge fan of the course uh, again it's it's an incredible place to um you know if you've got a family if you've got kids to head down for a day trip or an overnight trip to sperryville um small little town but you know we, we mentioned in the conversation uh, some great places to eat and drink, and, and unbelievably walkable. Um, and the golf course absolutely encourages kids. I've been out there more than once where I've seen strollers being pushed by golfers with their, uh, with their little ones um, you know, being pushed alongside. Um, any case, that, that's the podcast. It, it's Cliff Miller, uh, who is the owner of the property and who first had the vision for Schoolhouse Nine, and Mike McCartan, who was hired by Cliff to, to build the golf course. Mike McCartan, if you're not aware, is um, was the very first guest on this, on this podcast, Episode 1, as one of the founders of National Links Trust. Um, Schoolhouse 9 was his was his first solo project, uh, so it was a lot of fun to, to sit down with him. And I actually recorded the conversation with him at East Potomac Park uh, right next to the mini golf course, so that was fun. Uh, but here it is, Episode 28. Schoolhouse Nine, Cliff Miller, and Mike McCartan. Enjoy. Cliff, how are you? I'm doing well. Welcome to Sparrowville. I appreciate it. I, it's, uh, I'm psyched to be out here. I've, uh, I've been down several times, played Schoolhouse Nine uh, a handful of times myself, but this is the first time you and I are meeting. Uh, so I appreciate you being up for coming on Beltway Golfer. Excited to have you down here. So let me... Um, Let's, let's kind of start from the beginning. We're, we're, well, first of all, we're sitting here in the, uh, what, do you, what do you call this room? Uh, the arcade, but it's really my man cave, <laughs> quite, quite honestly. <laughs> it's a big man cave. I wish <laughs> that's all. So, the, so it's interesting. I want to hear about the, kind of the origin of Schoolhouse 9, but the first time I came down here, I'm not sure what year it was, but this was an antique store. Yes. So, so let's start from the beginning. What year did Schoolhouse 9 open? 2013 I think it was 2013 was it, No, 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 2000, let's see I'm trying to remember the sign Because Michael McCartan designed the billboard And it was a father and son walking down the fairway And it said coming No, it was 2015 It said coming 2015 Schoolhouse 9 He designed the billboard like a sign Just saying like yeah. there's a golf course coming soon Yeah, we used to have a billboard out front And it had a had a big It was a picture with the with the mountains in the background And it had a father and son walking down the fairway That's hilarious so, well, let me back up even further. So, how uh, long have you owned, like, so you own this property, how long have you owned the property for? So, my great, great, great grandfather bought um, what is now called Mount Vernon Farm okay. in 1827. Oh, wow. So, it's been in my family, I'm the seventh generation and our children are the, are the eighth. So did that farm, like, how big was the farm? Was it more than what you see here? Uh, Well, this is contiguous to the rest of the farm, but it it goes across the street and up the side of the mountain. Oh, wow. And it's on both sides of the street. And so is that still part of your family's property as well? It's it's amazing, but it's managed to stay in the family this long, pretty much in its entirety. Oh, wow, that's awesome. So so the schoolhouse, so this is originally a schoolhouse. This was a schoolhouse. What's the history there? Uh, It was built in the early 1900s. It was a... My grandfather went to school here. Uh, I think there were four or five people per class. And it was decommissioned as a school, I think in the 60s. Okay. And my father bought the building, and it became the Sperryville Emporium, which was uh, just a giant uh, kind of bizarre-type market that you could buy everything from moccasins to fireworks to you know, stick candy and things like that. And it was a very popular kind of retail destination. Okay, Uh, They closed up that business some 20 years ago. Okay. And it's had a lot of different tenants since then. And it was really kind of sitting empty um, when I got to Rappahannock County about 10 years ago. And so decided to reopen a restaurant here and kind of try to make it a community hub again. And so... When you kind of you know, took, took over, was, was the golf course always part of, the, part of your vision? It wasn't. Um, the restaurant was the first thing to go in here, and I just thought it would be nice to have a place to play golf that was close by and part of the restaurant. You know, it, it really all kind of fits together pretty yeah, well. Yeah. So you're a golfer? I love golf, yeah. Um, we just, as I was walking in, for folks that have been here the, the pub where you pay your greens fees, the headmaster's pub and it's, and there's tons of golf memorabilia, including flags. And you'd said you've played a lot of the, the courses, of the flags, and they're flags from, from all over the world. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Um, so when you, when you first got the vision, okay, I'm going I'm to turn this into a golf course. Um, what, what then, how did you, how did you start that process of trying to figure out who to build it, who to talk to, how to get it going? I guess the very first thing I did was uh, sit down with Google Maps at the bar right in here, and uh, you can draw on Google Maps, and I made a little nine-hole course. And we, This field is roughly 25 acres, and so I kind of knew where it would have to go, and there are not been so many routing choices, um, so I drew it, and I still occasionally go back and look at the drawing I made on Google Maps, and it's fun does that Uh, look any does your original drawing look at all like they're they're not too far apart to be honest um i I then uh i had played a number of tom Doak courses okay and so i called his office and i said i've got this basically a cow pasture at this point in time and i'd like to turn it into a fun little nine-hole golf course um your design fee is way beyond our scope but i really admire the your your design aesthetic sure and so I said, if there's anything you can do in the way of advice, I would appreciate it. And several weeks later, I got a call from someone in his office, and they said, one of our shapers has just finished up its stream song. He lives in DC. Here's his number. And Mike was down here the next day. So that's Mike McCartan. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So he came down the next day. And so, what was that? If you remember, what was that first conversation with him like? Uh, it was great. We walked the property and I think he immediately had a vision for it. And I was, was interested in doing it. And we just immediately got along and we've become good friends since, but we, we kind of shared the, shared the vision. So was, was it during that conversation that, you know, one of the, one of the kind of standout things about schoolhouse nine is that, you know, most of the, like, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, but like there's only irrigation on the greens. Like most of the effort is put in the greens. Like let's focus, let's focus. Let's yeah. focus less on everything else. It's all about the greens. That was uh, kind of part of our original design intent, but it also made it a lot easier. Uh, and it was by no means easy to get it through um, the local kind of political scene here, which is very anti-development, which is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it uh, there were water concerns and other concerns and. We irrigate 1.4 acres total, okay. which is nothing which for is, I mean, a normal yeah, golf course. It's you know triple digits, of, right? Yeah, large yards that that use more water than we do. Right. Um, so that's something we're proud of. What was that like? So you know, getting this approved through is it the town of Sperryville or Rappahannock County? Rappahannock or? County had to approve it, and, and well, that was very difficult. Uh, we had to have a lot of zoning laws changed because they were they were really there was nothing on the books for a small nine-hole course. It was basically, if you want to build an 18-hole country club, this is what you got to do, and they had made it nearly impossible. And so I had to present. Why to would them, that be different? It was set up, I think, by people who had never anticipated that there would be a golf course in this county. Got yeah. it. Um, so the, per- the permitting process was brand new to them. That took yeah over a year to get it to get the permits to even start building it. Got it few a few headaches i imagine it was a lot it was a long process but yeah. in the end you know i think everyone got what they wanted and the, sure. the people who were really afraid of it which is understandable yeah. uh, I, I think got to a place where they were more comfortable awesome so this so it was, it was that simple of a process you got on the phone with with, with tom doke he recommended mike McCartan, and mike mccarton comes down here and says you're the man for the job and he's hired that's pretty, was pretty much how it went. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, if, if only, I'm, sh- I'm sure other golf course owners if, if would say, if only were that easy. Um, and so ha- then from that day when he came down here to getting started, is that when the permitting process kind of started? So it was like a year after that when, you know, moving dirt or, or, it was or just a little amount a of moving dirt happened? After we met that we were able to actually start moving dirt. And then because it was really only building greens and some bunkers, bunker side green or green side bunkers, um, was the construction and building of the golf course, I would imagine that took a lot less time than your normal golf course. Good question for Mike. (laughs) I don't have a benchmark. Um, I I would imagine so as well, but having not built a full 18-hole course. Well, do you remember how long that took? I think we were six to eight months of, of work. Yeah, that doesn't sound too bad. Um, so, it's been open for six, seven, eight years, something like that. Um, you, you started to get some, some national attention, you know, I, uh, uh, we were just chatting about, you know, you're on the, the hidden gem map of the Sugarloaf Social Club, which is a, uh, a popular local outfit that that finds little hidden gems of great golf courses, And and I came down to the Golfers Journal event last uh-huh. year, which, which was really cool, and that's a, that's a really popular national publication. Uh, what about locally? Like, like the town of Sperryville and, and, and those 6,800 6, residents of, of Rappahannock County, how have uh, they taken to it? We're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> we see a lot more muck boots out there than we did three or four years ago. Guys playing in muck boots? <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> you know, the farmers who figured out that it's kind of a fun way to come and spend the evening, and especially ones with children. Yeah. We're seeing a lot more of that. So it's, it is certainly becoming more you know, of a local scene sure. than when it was when we first opened. When you first opened, were most of the people that were playing for the first few years folks from DC that would just come down or maybe passing through to that go to the National Park? We get people from Culpeper, and even as far as Charlottesville, that will come and play a couple rounds. Yeah. But it's really, a, you know, it's about as kid-friendly a course because i think you'll i think you'll ever find yeah and that was I, that was part of the design intent was to make it approachable for for kids yeah and beginners sure sure um i think I, i've told this on one of my social media channels at one point but one of the, one of the last times i came down here you know i was <clears throat> my my wife and, and child we, were, we were, spent the weekend somewhere in shenandoah and on the way back, my. My kid, I think, was two or three at the time, and he was sleeping in the taking car. Yeah, and I, I and I just said, uh, All right, "Can you watch him for? I I'm can I'm play this course like." And forty-five minutes later, I mean, it's like a you know a pit stop. Um, but th- but that that's fun. So has it gotten over the years as it's gained more attention and as the county residents are kind of taking to it? Has it gotten busier? Definitely, yeah. And this past year has been by far the busiest, really? which I think a lot of golf courses for sure, are, for sure, have been the same. And it and it's how what what is the uh, the greens fee these days to play? It's an all day rate fifteen dollars during the week and twenty five on the weekends. 50, I mean, I don't think you're going to beat that anywhere. Um, you know, I, I I might talk to uh, we chatted earlier to, to, to Mike as well a little bit more about the actual building of the course and some of his thoughts around it. Um, how often do you get to play? A couple times a week. A couple times a week. Yeah. <laughs> what's what's your best score out here? Three under. Three under. Yes. Wow. You would think it would be better than that, but... There's still uh, holes that trip me up. Still, what is that? That's a, that's a 24. That's not, not too bad. <laughs> not too bad. Um, so let's let's go back for a second, get away from the golf course. Talk about this room. So, like I said, it was it was an antique shop for a while. Well, that was your business? Yeah, we've tried a number of different things. And as the restaurant's grown this area, we've kind of expanded into this area for food service as well. Right. And so what... Uh, where'd you get all these games all over the place that my wife jordan over here and i have traveled all over to arcade auctions and people's basements just i kind of try to find things that had some kind of personality and fun a lot of them are vintage yeah uh no i think it's i think it's terrific it's uh and it really adds to the you know family kind of atmosphere and hey let's go for a day trip and bring your kids and you can play nine and maybe bribe them with some some video games afterwards um what about the with the pub so the pub opened about the same time or, or? The Pub opened 2012 is that right hon 2012 2000 yeah so the pub was 2013 the golf course was 2015. got it so to do a lot of i, I mean i that a lot of folks come just to, just to eat or have a couple beers that aren't necessarily have anything to do with golf right yeah, yeah. i would say that the vast majority right <laughs> What's going on in the rest of the building? So our tenants downstairs are a local community college that does primarily nursing programs. Oh wow. And then upstairs I have just commercial tenants. Got it, very cool. Um, so as we were trying to organize this, you mentioned um, you just, you're just recovering from a trip out to Bandon Dunes. Yes. That was, uh, how was that? That was a marvelous time. Yeah. It's the first time I've been on a plane in over a year. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> very cool. Um, this is uh, so. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think I don't think maybe not a lot of folks realize that 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 you know the owner of Schoolhouse Nine is such a, such an avid golfer, and it makes 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 all the sense in the world. Um, any any plans you know for the for the future or, or, or this the, the state it's in is 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 was. I think the course will remain what it is. We're putting in a big practice area, really? so if you drive towards Culpeper on the left hand side, uh, you'll see. Right now, there's just buckets out there, but there's a large practice area where people will be able to go and hit balls. Oh, cool. Like, how much space are we talking? Uh, I mean, it's the size of a standard range. It's got 10, 12 acres. Oh, excellent. So, I I guess you're saying that's further down the road? It is basically right behind us. So, on the other side of, there's a row of houses here. It's on the other side of those. So, you could walk over there, but most people probably will drive. Yeah, excellent. So, with your family, you know, being, uh, you know, Property owners and being a part of Sperryville for so long. For folks that haven't, that don't know anything about Sperryville, this is this is a really cool town. It's it's right next to the entrance, one of the what is it, four entrances to Shenandoah National Park. Uh, tell us a little bit about about Sperryville. Well, Sperryville has seen a real renaissance. So there's a lot of young people building businesses here that are. I think they are make it a really attractive destination, and, it, and I'm not sure you could have said that 10 years ago. Right. Um, there's, a, there's a couple of really nice breweries. A couple? Uh, yeah. What's the, I know, the, it, Penn Druid, is that? So Pen Druid has, has one that's just past the golf yeah. practice area, right. um, <laughs> and the Hopkins Ordinary is right in town. Okay, I'll and hear they're been actually down. putting in a third one on Main Street, uh, I think, coming this summer. Wow. There's really nice fine dining. Three Blacksmiths has, has you know, gotten national acclaim. I, I haven't eaten there, but I've heard it's outstanding. And yeah, the food is terrific. Yeah. Um, so it's, Sperryville is... And you also have a distillery. We have a distillery, Copper Fox, right across the street. So if you're looking for post-round beverages, there's no shortage in Sperryville. Yeah, a lot of good options. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's awesome. Uh, lastly, so you also... You started to put on some some tournaments. That were either last weekend. You had a, what was it called? Three pigs and three a sticks. Three sticks, sticks and, and a pig. pig. Yeah, which is a three three club tournament. Uh huh. And I had some barbecue afterwards. Yes, very cool. How did that go? Uh, it went great. Yeah. I, Jordan, my wife, ran it because I was on the west coast. You, <laughs> <but> <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're enjoying Bandit. <laughs> <laughs> I think people had a great time. Uh, any other tournaments uh, for during the year? Yeah, we have um, I think four scheduled that we're putting on, and then we'll have some fundraisers. That this it has been pretty popular for fundraisers. Yeah. I think because it's just they can play the golf in an hour, and it's not such a huge commitment time-wise for the for the people who want to do it. Very cool. Um, one of the things I always ask kind of everybody on this show: um, Do you do you play a lot of other golf in the area? Yes. Any, any other any other golf courses that uh, you know you particularly enjoy? or You play a lot, or the one I play is Luray Caverns. Oh yeah, and I don't think I've ever played that. It's a really neat course. Really, it's a I think typical 60s, 70s style walking course where it's it's, 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 it's it's hilly, but it's a great walk because it's green to tea, It's very little distance. How far is that from here? It's a 25 minute drive from here. I might I might have to stop by on the way out of here. It's worth your stop. Lorette Cab- Okay. Terrific greens. I feel like I've seen the sign a million times, but never, didn't didn't think too much of it. It's past the caverns, which okay. is you know a, a, a big tourist attraction. Um, and it's, it's just, that's a wonderful course. Very cool. There it is. Luray caverns. And then <clears throat> as we were setting up here, you shared a, a kind of a fun story. Uh, as previously mentioned, the, the, the pin flags that are hanging above the bar. Uh-huh. One of them that jumped out at me because there's all these, you know, world-class like top hundred courses is Patuxent greens, <laughs> which is now closed in uh, Laurel, Maryland and. Tell us the story of why the Patuxent Green's flag is hanging up there. We put it up there because we were up there just at a at their auction. They had auctioned off all their equipment. Cl- it closed like two years ago. Uh-huh. It was a couple of years ago. And we, um, we looked on top of the clubhouse, and it was covered in solar panels. And the electric bill in this building is huge, and we always thought it would be nice to have solar panels. And so we made them an offer for the solar panels, and we ended up, taking all the solar panels off the roof that they were gonna demo the clubhouse and brought them over here and put them on this roof and it's cut our electric bill by more than half, which has been really nice. Thank you, Patuxent Greens. Are they in the back half? I didn't even notice them. Yeah, you don't see them. This building has a slightly arched roof and the south facing exposure is is that half. That's pretty cool. Was that, when they closed, I've, I've, I've been to one or two kind of golf course closing auctions, was that, was that, did a lot of people show up to that? Was that an online thing or was it in person? Usually 40 or 50 people will show up. I think most of them are online with the advent of COVID. Yeah, right, but, right. Um, I've been to I, over a dozen of those auctions to pick up equipment. And, interesting. Very cool. Um, well, listen. Uh, I really appreciate you uh, being open to coming on the, on the podcast. Yeah. It's, it's a pleasure to meet you. It's a pleasure to meet and, you. Thank uh, you for being here. Absolutely. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of Schoolhouse Nine. And is it, I, I searched. Is this your first podcast? I think so. How about that? <laughs> as far as I know. All right. Um, so, yeah, I can't recommend it enough. And, uh, and, and best of luck going forward. And, and, and congratulations. an awesome spot. Thank you so much. And That's thank you it. for being here. Absolutely. Mike, how's it going? Good. We're, uh, we're hanging out at the East Potomac Park mini golf course on a beautiful uh, Wednesday morning, but we are not here to talk about East Potomac Park. Mm-mm. We are here to talk about the course that you're representing on your hat, Schoolhouse 9 in Sperryville, Virginia, as a continuation uh, of this episode where the first half I spoke with uh, Cliff Miller. Great. So let's start at the beginning. So Cliff talked about he got referred to you by Tom Doak. Do you remember that first kind of conversation with cliff i do um
1: cliff called we um, set up a time to meet in sperryville and um my wife and i took that as an opportunity to go and spend a weekend in the area and cliff as the owner of the um in at mount Vernon farm nicely offered a, a night at his um establishment as part of the you know weekend when we were coming down there. And so we set up some dinners in the area and hiked old rag. And by the time I actually met cliff, it was like after hiking old rag and this is the B and B on his farm. Yeah. Yeah. Which
0: is great. It's, it's a beautiful, we talked about cliff and I talked a little bit about the farm, but we didn't really talk about the B &B. and B. There's a whole story
1: there. I mean, the, the bed and breakfast itself is like, is their family house Yep, and it dates back to the early 1800s, I think, and is is just a beautiful building which has been converted into a B and B with something like seven or eight rooms and a and kind of a um, a room that's a, a separate from the main building, which is which yeah. is really nice. I, I um, came
0: home after talking with them and looked up the website. and yeah. me- immediately started looking
1: at vacancy it fits the area oh, a but the it's doors. also like very very nice so it's a great getaway for couples weekend or can
0: you something. see schoolhouse nine from the from the vm you can't
1: see from the building but you from from their house you can see old rag it's a beautiful oh, wow. view and then um there's a hiking trail that goes around the property that they built oh, nice. and from the hiking trail there are several overlooks which you can see the golf course which is which is nice
0: so that first weekend, so so you you, you stay in the B and B. Had you even met him yet? Hadn't I hadn't met
1: him. met him yet. We we um we so we got there the day before. We got up really early in the morning the day that we were going to meet Cliff. We did Old Rag, which is like a nine hour um hike. No,
0: even though it is a walk in the park, it's no I'm walk in a, the park. Yeah, I'm
1: not a like, expert on <laughs> hikes in and you know, um, but to me it, it it was one of those memorable hikes that that if you live in this area, everybody sure. should do, because yeah. there's a, a rock scramble, the top of the mountain, spectacular views. It's, it's really, really um, worthwhile. And, but when we got back, my legs were like jello, and we were, we were tired and um, going to meet Cliff for, uh, for dinner at the uh, Headmaster's Pub there. And um, so that was my introduction. I was, I was you know, zonked, tired, just, um, but, but instantly hit it off with Cliff because he's just a golf
0: nut um, by the way know. we know mike has kids cuz he just used the word
1: zonked, zonked. and i only started yeah. using that <laughs> i only started using that word when i had a kid yeah yeah it's <laughs> seeped into the lexicon <laughs> um, yeah so we got to talking about what you know what, what he has and what he was thinking um, in terms of building a golf course and and talking about his life and how it um intersected with golf and and what he finds important about golf and golf courses and you know what he what he looks for when he's playing and it was just really clear right off the bat that he he was going to be an incredible you know owner of a golf course
0: um at the time were you because this was schoolhouse was your first golf
1: course design were you actively looking for your first project I was actively looking for projects in the DC area, so um, I wasn't actively looking for owners of new golf courses necessarily. Mm-hmm. So, at the time, Like uh, renovation work, or yeah. yeah, I was I was looking um, to start building up some experience here in the area because I'd just come off of the Streamsong project with Tom Doke, and the the next project was going to be in China for a year, um, and I was just about to get married and I didn't want to be beholden to taking the next job, uh, all the time. And so I was looking to establish some sort of foothold in the area, both with non-golf work so that I didn't have to take the the next golf job, but then also to build in local projects. So I didn't have to be traveling as much. So, So I know Tom knew that, but I think more than anything, just knew that I was, I was local and this was the type of job that, you know, I think, He's, he's looking to help out the guys who've worked for him and sure. um, fit well for that. Uh,
0: so, so Cliff said, and, and you just reiterated that you guys hit it off pretty, pretty immediately. Um, Cliff mentioned that he had already kind of drawn out loosely a routing for the property. Um, when you first saw the property, did you, I'd imagine with any, any golf course designer, you immediately start, that's like the first thing you start doing, is like, yeah. hey, where do the holes go? How do, I can go this yeah. way, that way. How did, how did that end up aligning or not aligning? So, honestly, I don't remember what
1: Cliff's original, <laughs> you know. He says it doesn't look that much different than what it does it now. It probably doesn't because the site itself can't really support a whole bunch of different, you know, general ideas for mm-hmm. a routing. Um, my first impression when seeing the site was that it. I wasn't sure how much, like, topography there was how much interest there was in the land because the grass it was like a meadow that was uh grazed by livestock and you know when I first saw it the grass was maybe chest high so looking out over that property it all looked about the same and it looked fairly flat going out um and so I was a little bit worried that not worried but just figuring that you'd have to kind of create everything from scratch there wasn't a lot to work with but then um, getting out there and walking the site with Cliff, started to realize that there was a, there's a lot more to it than than you could see and that there's kind of some things that were pretty clear off the bat that I, you would want to incorporate into the design of the course and the routing of where the holes went.
0: Such as like the, the fall off towards the
1: back of the property. Yeah, so there's the fall off in the back, which is clearly like the most dramatic part of it. So, And now there's three holes kind of playing around that little loop. And mm-hmm. so that's... That's because it's a place where you want to, you know, actually experience those contours as much as possible, like maximize that yeah, area. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, they're short holes; they're each like 115 max, down to 85, I think. But um, but I think they're they're each different, and they kind of provide a different perspective on the property and different types of shots. So it's definitely a little area that I want to make sure the golf course spent a, a lot of time in. Yeah. I mean, the whole property is, is what, like 20 or 30 acres? I think it's
0: 25. 25. Yeah. So there's, I mean, there's not that many options, I would imagine, of different, I mean, you could go, no. you could have gone the opposite way. could have
1: gone the other way. could have maybe mean, done the,
0: some zigzagging thing. I don't know. The
1: routing kind of makes a figure eight, so it crosses over itself. Um, but honestly, the biggest things that determined for, for me where the holes went, um, I wanted to make sure there was um so the the second hole kind of plays into the ridge where the um you know that the the electrical wiring crosses um but that's kind of set up which I don't know if I've ever even really noticed I know it's it's actually pretty cool I mean you think at first oh man like what's uh what's that especially seeing the site is that going to be kind of something that takes away from the feel of it but yeah I, I I agree with you I don't I've, I've noticed
0: it's just like after I'm looking at photographs I've taken yeah. more than when I'm actually there. Yeah. But also, I mean, like the, the ridge itself. It's maybe because I'm not, I'm not of a, a golf course architecture mind. I'm not, you know, yeah. in tune to that. But I, I like I, I read in one of your interviews how you talked about the ridge in the middle of property. I'm like, there's a ridge in the middle
1: of property? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of topography, but that probably rises about ten feet. Right. There. Okay. So from from the first tee height, it dips down a little bit towards the first green and then back up. And
0: so that's where the second, because the second green is one of the more
1: dramatic ones yeah. on the on the prop. so I mean, it, that ridge was, was kind of like, I want to use this for a green site, and I like that spot for the second hole. Um, you know, and the, basically there's not enough room. You can play two holes on that side, mm-hmm. um, going out or coming back, right. and one hole on the other side. And if you think about just how that would work, the the one hole coming back um which is now the ninth or going out would have been a long hole to start or a long hole to finish right and um the backdrop for the hole coming back is the schoolhouse and makes for a really nice kind of finishing view as you're playing so that was that was kind of the the key of You want that. And you're you're staring at Shenandoah National Park right behind it. So it's it's hard to keep your camera in the pocket when you're walking back on the 9th. And it's also got some topography. You're playing downhill. You've got a tilt in the land. If you're playing the other way coming in, it's flat. You're looking at the parking lot in the backdrop. And there's just not as much, you know, recommending that as being the the finishing spot for the the...
0: Was the idea, because I mean, one of the most unique things about the property is that. Um, you know, the, the focus is really all on the green complexes. Those are the only areas that are irrigated. Was that the plan from the jump?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, Cliff, what's really cool is Cliff kind of recognizes that the only thing you really need for a golf course to succeed are just well-maintained greens right? and, you know, kind of keeping the, the course wide enough for everybody to get around. So, I mean if you're going to just focus on maintaining the greens well i mean the thing that goes hand in hand with that is having greens that are really interesting and especially on a part three course that might make you feel like you're playing something different or trying to solve a different problem from day to day Mm -hmm. so all the greens there for the most part are, are greens designed that if you put the hole in one side of the green one day versus the other side the next day you're going to have to try and hit a different shot or or feel like you're doing something different makes you think about it differently, which hopefully you know brings brings an element of variety to a course where otherwise you're starting and finishing in the same place yeah. on every hole. Sure. So, that,
0: so did he kind of propose that to you, or was that kind of a mutual? Because it almost seems you know, looking back at your 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 thesis on East Potomac Park and just municipal golf design, I actually looked at it. And I, I took out an excerpt. Where, where you talk about the British, British approach to golf course maintenance. And, and the reason I'm bringing it right. up is, is it almost seems like, I don't know if destiny is the right word, but if this was already his idea and he brings yeah. in and, and gets a recommendation for a guy yeah. that wrote this thesis, but you, you say, you know, by stressing the quality of the greens... Maintenance efforts are focused on the areas most essential to a golfer's enjoyment of the course by treating the rest of the course as an ecological system, as opposed to an artificially green and uniform. Yeah, and there's there's more to it. But, but that, so that was in 2007 or 2008 right. when you wrote that, and that's
1: exactly kind of
0: what his plan was.
1: Yeah, I mean it's, I mean Cliff and I could not be more on the same page for what we like or care about in golf courses. I mean I think it's it's mostly fun. But then, for Cliff, he's operating a business too. Sperryville is not you know it's not the middle of washington d c like where we are where there's just a ton of people coming and going and so for him it's 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 sustainability in like the broadest sense the i mean I know he does care about. The environment and, and how the golf course fits into the environment and, and doing the right thing there, but he also cares about the economic sustainability of his business and yeah. and so I mean I think it's it's kind of just extreme practicality, right? You you can maintain the golf course for next to nothing, or, you know, relatively speaking, sure, um, and build it in, in the same way by minimizing what you're trying to to maintain, yeah, and and it really doesn't cost much more at all for me to come in. It literally costs nothing more for me to come in and build really, you know, hopefully interesting greens and and features for the course that that help take the focus away from maintenance and onto like what makes the course unique.
0: And as you know, less maintenance costs for the owner, allowing him to charge, yeah, you know, as little as he does to yeah. play the play the course, exactly, which is a yeah. win-win. For you everybody. don't
1: need to keep the course full all the time in order to. You know, balance the budget, for the course. Right, right, exactly. Um,
0: you had mentioned before I went down to to, to interview Cliff, and I kind of asked you, like, what you know, what are a couple things I should ask him. And you mentioned the permitting process, and I brought it up to him, and I, I almost got the sense that he didn't want to elaborate too much in case you know, <laughs> know, you know folks were, were listening, and he kind of gave you know it was there were some hurdles, but it all worked out. Yeah. But I that but I, I read out and a quick shout out to, to Old Line Matt Roberts, Old Line Golf. I was reading. His kind of conversation with you, and you elaborate a little bit more on it about how there was a, a specific meeting with the, with a Rappahannock County yeah. where it was almost they almost voted it down in, in hastily, and and of course never would happen.
1: Yeah. So setting the scene, and this was my first ex- experience with local politics, but um, there were two items on the local zoning commission's agenda. One was adding a single bedroom to a bed and breakfast. Um, and the other was not whether the golf course could be built; it was whether the county would allow for a nine-hole golf course versus an 18-hole golf course, which was the only thing that the county bylaws allowed. It was an 18-hole 18-hole golf course on a certain amount of acreage, and so. All we were asking for was... As if, like, a nine-hole course was somehow more yeah, offensive than... Would you, would you make an exception to that rule <laughs> to allow a nine-hole course on 25 acres instead of an 18-hole course on 300 acres, or whatever right, okay. it was. Um, But we were second on the agenda, and um, this... I've never seen anything so contentious in my life as this addition of one bedroom to a bed and breakfast. And the whole issue that was causing the problems was... Whether it would increase traffic on the single-lane road into the into the house yeah. to an intolerable level for the other three houses that were on the road, and I mean, it's a legitimate point, and it went back and forth, and it was—you're talking about the single, the main road, like to the just to the left of the golf course. No, no, no. This was to somebody else's. Oh, this is the B&B. This it's is sorry. a this uh, is this is we're B&B. we so, I mean, the B&B. The question is if you add a bedroom to this B&B right. will the other neighbors be affected negatively by the increased traffic? Right. Which seems ridiculous when you think about it because there's probably just you know, two or three trips made a day by whoever's staying there in and out. How could that be a problem? But um, it was an extremely passionate debate and it dragged on for hours. And this meeting already started I think at 7.30 or 8.00 so by the time that wrapped up it was 10 p.m and the people on the zoning commission were completely done and they wanted to get through the agenda so they literally just brought it up talked amongst themselves you know in an internal debate saying we don't really want golf here anyway and they were ready to vote against it in that moment um and cliff and i stood up and we just said hey like i think we're all tired here can we Table this yeah. at least right. and, and have a chance to come back and present what the vision is um, at the next meeting. And they voted for tabling it on like a five to four vote. Really? <laughs> and then we, we oh ended up God. getting to come back and, and present, and, and, and that's that like if eight that, to one. If, if, that had voted, nine, but, nine, if that had voted no, I think the, it would have been a lot harder for the course to happen. We would have had to go back to the same group and figure out how to get back. Anyway, I, I don't. So it ended I don't up passing. So to, yeah, it ended like it up passing eight on the, to one on the next one. Yeah. So, once so we got you to, guys gave a pretty good presentation. Yeah, it was compelling. I mean, what we said is what I think we delivered on, which is that the golf course won't feel different than Rappahannock County. I mean, it, yeah. it fits into the the meadow that that was there. Sure. I mean, that's that's the nature of the course, and and you're right when you're only irrigating the greens and just kind of mowing things down it, yeah. it does feel like it belongs in a field but at the same time is 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 a golf course
0: and also just the fact that it's so family friendly i mean almost every time i've not every time but every time i've been out there with those other other folks playing that you, you know several times i've seen strollers yeah you know with you know yeah. with little, little kids just being pushed along while, while one of their parents is playing golf But that it's become a a very much a a family day outing or weekend outing down to Sperryville and Shenandoah National Park and doing kind of the trip you talked about doing the the weekend that you met Cliff. Yeah. Um, So I'd imagine it's it clearly has done well, not just Schoolhouse Nine, but all of the, the Miller's businesses for the town of Sperryville.
1: He's a he's a great business person and just constantly thinking about how he can, you know, take take the. You know the the elements of you know whether it's land or you know property down down there to to kind of keep building things that work together to you know as a whole create something pretty special. So
0: do you know of are there many other? I mean, I'm sure there must be some you know kind of less known kind of backyardish farm courses where um, they certainly don't have the the, the complex. Greens that that Schoolhouse Nine does, but is is not necessarily fairways aren't kept, tee boxes aren't kept, right. there they aren't aggregated. Air- there must be some, but there, are there many others as well known as Schoolhouse?
1: I don't, I don't know a lot of courses that kind of fit this model because it's really not something you see a ton in the U.S. <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> you know, the thing that comes most to mind, but it's not even. It's not even really a business. Is the the some guy's backyard? Have you heard of that? Yeah,
0: and was it Kansas City or Missouri?
1: Yeah, that's that's a that's more on the rustic backyard, you know, do it yourself. Um, I follow those guys. Spectrum. Are they are they charging people to play? No, right. no, it's just more um, of a. But but maybe the feel of what you're doing there, it's um, is is close to what you get at Schoolhouse where you're, where I think what's good about it is because there's no pretension in the presentation of the golf course and there's a lot of space to play and there, and, and that attracts, you know, families and everything. There's just, it, it, it creates just like keeps building on itself towards um, creating kind of like a culture of, of real extreme inclusiveness and, and fun. And that's,
0: But the difference—I mean, I think there's a lot of—I mean, I've spent a lot of time in, in like in rural Maine as well, and right. I mean, there's a lot of like kind of yeah. down, homey type golf courses. You know, like the the, the Sugarloaf guys—they're always trying yeah, to yeah. trying to find yeah. these like backwoods, old school golf courses with lots of old world charm, where there's no frills. And there's a lot of like those out there, but but that haven't um, put the the time and effort to making really interesting green complexes. Yeah. That so like that area of the property yep. is on par with some of the nicer courses yeah. um, but still has that kind of Farmish kind of low minimalist
1: low maintenance feel yeah um, well it helps to go into it with that idea from the beginning because to go to one of those you know places now you you'd have to spend some money to you know adjust the greens or yeah. whatever build something new I don't necessarily think it's Ton of money, but it is an investment. Whereas if you're starting from scratch, mm-hmm. there's there's no difference between building what we have at Schoolhouse Nine and that you know basic farm right. field course. So talking about the
0: greens, so like where when you once you've got the routing figured out and you've got the plan on what kind of golf course you're going to build, you know how do you start working on the greens? Like do do you, do you take inspiration from other greens you've seen like how how does that process work
1: yeah out there the greens are mostly and this is kind of thing you know sort of the approach I've learned from from Tom Doak and and working with all of the great guys um, who work for him is that it having an idea of what you want to build before starting is really important but then as you get into it to react to what's happening and as you're building it and if, you know, some of the best ideas you have come once you start the actual process of moving the dirt around and seeing, oh, that's an even better idea than I had before, like in the moment. Sure. Um, So I would say there's a real mix of of greens out there from ones that I thought of the, you know, relatively early on in the process to Mm -hmm. ones that um, just kind of evolved while building them, um,
0: but certainly like and you and you did a lot of the
1: kind of the dirt moving yeah. of, the, of yourself, right? Yeah. So um, I it, either me or um, Brett Hockstein, who's a great guy, um, lives in California and also worked for Doke. He came and helped on shaping, um, but yeah, either either Brett or or I built every single thing out there, including not just building the greens, but then. You know, obviously all the bunkers and, and other shaping, draining the bunkers, putting sand in the bunkers, seeding the course, grow. You know, oh, wow. starting to grow in. So, I've you know buying all the materials. I, it was a really great experience for me because working on a project for Doke, you might. You're you're playing a part amongst a, a major group right. of people doing all of these things. Um, general contractor would do some of that stuff. The, you know, the, there are different people on Doke's team who would be taking. Or know, as this sounds it was just essentially two of you. It sounds like this, more yeah, like I a mean, backyard case, project like, that you're doing yeah, with your buddy. All of those like contractor type things, I'd never really been exposed to, but I did absolutely all of that. Or the planning process, yeah. applying for permits, and sure. every every little thing was like a. One of those, you know, a big, a big project in slightly smaller form.
0: Yeah, interesting. Um, a couple of the greens are, are particularly interesting, at least to me. I mean, they all are, but like n- number two is kind of I, I think feels like the most dramatic. Yeah, I've been in that, that back right <laughs> bunker a couple times with with a front pin location down low, and you know, there, there's a there's kind of a dramatic drop right in the middle of that green. But is, is it five and six? Yeah, particularly small ones towards the back of the property. Yeah. Five, I don't think I've ever gotten on the green. It feels like the size of my, my living room, which is not, not big. Um, was, was there any kind of uh, inspiration on those? And six is a really tricky green. Yeah. It, it looks super simple, but yeah. it's
1: not. So, so So, five and seven are kind of a matched pair because um, five is built up from the floor of that lower section, Okay. Um, I wanted to make sure the green was kind of up and out of that area can get wet in, you know, in rainy times. So, and also, in order to be able to see it from the, from the tee, mm-hmm. it needed to be lifted a, a, a bit out of the um, grade of the, of the lower section. So my idea from the beginning was to take a chunk of material from the side of the, of the uh, seventh green... And push it down the hill and create that platform of the fifth. Okay. And so, but while keeping the idea that the hole's kind of playing down the hill, so you got to land it short and kind of bounce it onto the green. Um, so, so I needed the material for for five, and and the way it kind of works with six or seven is uh, by taking that material out. I started to create that kind of back bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, so you play seven's green is is interesting because there are kind of two places for the the hole to go one would be right up on the edge of the drop off in front yep and then the other would be over top of that there's like a lower bully section right but that bully section is the area where i took all the dirt to make the fifth green
0: that's kind of right in the middle towards the right a little bit yeah and then all
1: the way kind of around um, okay and out interesting so that that's so i knew I knew what I wanted to do on five. I needed the dirt for that, yeah. and then I had this idea on seven that that ridge is one of the that 's the biggest elevation change out there, and playing up at an angle was was the way I wanted to do that hole, and so that there's always going to be like a a hole location right along the ridge so that if you came up short, it would kind of knock you off to the side yeah, down yeah. the hill um, but then I wanted there to be some sort of penalty for going over the green. Mm-hmm. But then, um, so that's that's where kind of getting rid yeah. of that material was going to work for that. But then I also thought, you know, for for going back to that variety idea that having a, a back section where it's not always just about playing as close as you can to the ridge, sometimes you want to go into the back bowl would, would make for an interesting yeah. way to kind of mix up the way the, the hole played.
0: Uh, I, was, I was reaching, I, had a, I think I was looking at this morning, I had a scorecard in my bag, which I think I left on my kitchen table, but you did a really good job of, of varying distances as well. So you have to use a lot of the different irons in your bag. Um, was it always gonna be a nine hole course? Like did you ever, ever think about six, 12, four, seven, whatever?
1: It was always gonna be nine. And I can't tell now, looking back, whether that's because Cliff had the name Schoolhouse Nine in his head from the very beginning. Gotcha. and so but there's always room for nine par three so it the the site fits really well for for nine holes for you know yeah varying the lengths but i don't i don't think you could really squeeze more golf onto onto the property but it those holes fit pretty comfortably without feeling like you're too close together (laughs) so um maybe on a different piece of property i would have thought about questioning the nine hole idea there but it actually worked Worked well it's it's it
0: seems maybe I'm skewed because it's it's only you know whatever an hour and a half away uh, but it seems like it's gotten an awful lot of attention has it got is that am I skewed because we're local or is it got has it gotten a significant amount of national attention
1: I think it just plays into this idea like it was right at a time where and it, this might be reflected in municipal golf you know people focusing on municipal golf courses as well is that what's important in golf has shifted a little bit from the hardest and best conditioned golf courses mm-hmm. to what's fun and what builds community and what do you want to take your friends to and, and experience together from, you know, beginners to totally. really good players. And so that in combination with, I think part three courses have an appeal cause you can play them faster and, um, take less clubs and take more people with you, you know, like stroll your kids along and yep. all of that kind of combines to, to, you know, especially over the last five or six years or so to put a focus on courses that, that fit those characteristics. So maybe that's part of it.
0: Yeah. But now that, I mean, now I mean, clearly, you know, you, you still have a full-time job and you're also the founder of National Links Trust. National Links Trust has, a lot going on, as everybody knows. But have you been approached um, about Schoolhouse Nine? Not necessarily whether it be to create something similar, or or you know c-
1: to consult or get advice or anything like that. I've had some some people reach out about advice on similar projects, and and um, I wouldn't be surprised if there were more projects like that in the future. But I I haven't seen much come about. Um, That that seems like a direct descendant of of Cliff's idea for the course. So, um, but no, not not on like a. Let's go build Schoolhouse Nine somewhere else. Sure, right, right, right. right. But I mean, the idea
0: that I mean, bring it back to Nationalist Trust a little bit right now, um, and, and talking about municipal golf, is you know a big piece of what we just talked about is creating an interesting golf course, but doing it in a way that. Um, saves money from a maintenance standpoint, yeah. and it can still be lots of fun. Yeah. You know, as National Link's Trust has, you know, years of, of projects ahead of them on these three, <laughs> three golf courses, and raising money to, to afford it all is obviously a huge part of that. I imagine some of those some of those uh, lessons from Schoolhouse are just like that. That kind of mantra will, will play a role here as well, isn't it?
1: Definitely. I mean, I think we. This is a place where you can show how, yeah, that general line of thinking can work on a much, much bigger scale. Um, Which also you detail at length in your thesis. Right, right. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I mean, I think every project is different. So our goals for exactly how you translate that into reality would will be different than at Schoolhouse Nine. But the general idea about what kind of golf courses are, are you know, are maintainable at a a reasonable cost while still providing like fun and interesting golf and then you know what what might be the types of things that can engage the widest number of people um especially when you're talking about places that are that are home to the widest variety of golfers of skill levels and ages and and everything um that's those are the things we're trying to accomplish here that's that's It'll be different than school last nine, but it, but but hopefully the principles will will be exactly the same.
0: Do you think there's a way for I'm thinking now municipal golf um, a little bit wider, but still in the beltway? And, you know, the, you know, when you get into kind of suburban golf, and I know this is big around D.C., but I'm sure I'm sure it's the same case in, in every um, suburban area in most major, major metropolitan areas, but I'm thinking like Montgomery County Golf, Prince George's County Golf, Fairfax County. Yeah, they, they run a bunch of certainly Montgomery County runs a bunch of municipal golf courses. Um, some are interesting, some you know feel a little bit stale. Like, right. is, is there um, this line of thinking? How could how could like a municipality where you know, they're probably—I don't know. I mean, I don't know with their books if they're making a ton of money off right. golf. But how can they make their courses more interesting without shutting them down with massive renovations? Yeah,
1: that's a good question. Um, the the golf courses around here, I think, probably aren't reaching their full potential for from the from from my like line of thinking. From what is the golf? What are the golf course? What are the golf course designs like? Um I think they, they, they tend to have been built in around the same era where there wasn't a huge emphasis on you know the the details of the course. It's more about getting a course in that works and functions well. Ed Alt was excellent at that and there you know, a lot of the courses are, are built by him. Um and and they have really good bones, but not a lot of the detail work that makes, you know, uh that would make me excited about you know and and i think that 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 sort of detail while not always recognized by you know um your regular player is still the same thing that gets appreciated kind of subconsciously about yeah there's something to this that like a puzzle i'm trying to solve or challenge that i'm i'm working to understand that Really resonates with people, and I think Mm -hmm. it can be a a hook for people coming back and continuing to, you know, enjoy the golf course. Like there, there are places like Northwest in Maryland, which is just a great piece of property. It's really, really good, and you could have a really, really good golf course on it with attention to those kinds of details. But it's it's already a a good course, so I kind of hesitate to say. Should make a huge investment in yeah. ripping up that course and starting over. But if you were to go through and
0: they're hosting a U.S. Open qualifier.
1: Yeah, I mean, if yeah. you were to go through and renovate a, a green or two every year and kind of over time add that layer of detail, I think it could go from being a really solid quality course to something really special. So
0: yeah, interesting. Um, do you get what about nowadays? Is Cool House Nine open? What year? 2015 i think cliff, cliff told me in the first part of it uh, but so it's, it's been over for six years or five or six years yeah do you get down there much to play yourself
1: yeah so cliff probably i mean i don't think he hates to, that this is the case but i i'm almost always there with my family strolling my kids around or pulling my son on a on a um, pull cart um which makes it really hard to to enjoy the course with Cliff because I feel like my attention is always diverted but with the family I probably get down there three to five times a year at least so um, I'd love to go more and I'd love to play like 72 holes with Cliff in a day that would be my ideal you know day but it's also really special to Get to experience it with my family and it, really, that's what
0: makes it, it cool. really is a great family trip i mean i've told i've turned a few of my buddies onto it who have then taken their you know wife and kids down and with the arcade yeah. with the pub with just like sperryville is so walkable yeah you got a couple breweries got a distillery and then of course you have shenandoah national park right there so i mean it's it's quite a day trip or an overnight trip
1: um yeah. it's that, something i didn't really know about living here in the area I hadn't really been to Sperryville or that area before and this project has you know brought a connection for me to that area that I'm so grateful to have because it's it's an excellent place to go. Totally well I, I mean I've been Sperryville
0: plenty of times but each time was for five seconds because I drove <laughs> right past right, it right. on my way to right. the National Park until the first time I stopped at the golf course yeah and now yeah I'm, I'm as big a fan of Sperryville as Sperryville is like everybody else yeah um, so that's cool. Well, it's, you guys have built something special, so uh, congratulations. It, d- it deserves all the attention it's getting. And, and for folks that are listening that haven't gotten a chance to go out, bring your family. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Awesome. Thanks,
1: Mike. Thanks. I'm a, I'm a regular dude living in D.C.,
0: and I want to know about D.C.-centric golf stuff. If you can tell me something that I don't already know, then that is great for me. I don't want the regular stuff. I want exciting stuff. I want different stuff. I don't want stuff I can't hear elsewhere. But I want it to be about DC golf.